grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series called Master Plan and Pastor Sean wants you to know the journey to real life is a wonderful vision for an abundant future. Just take a few moments to consider where God fits into this vision as you set up your master plan. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part one of a message called A Change of Plans. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. As you've heard, we're in this series called The Master Plan. We began with this idea, don't be Houston, right? We kind of poke fun a little bit at Houston's lack of a master plan and some of the problems they've had because of it. And we say, well, it's one thing for a city, but we've got to recognize we've got a lot of moving parts, and if we're not careful, we can just pop them into place in the context of our lives and not have any order, any priority, not have any kind of sense of direction. And that's a problem. And we saw the first thing you do in a master planning process is you select your architect. And we saw that there's only one fit to be our architect, and that's the Lord. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build labor in vain. Last week we talked about having a master plan won't do us much good if we never stop, we never pause to look at it. We talked about Sabbath. We talked about just stopping, connecting, and listening. And in fact, I know people were listening. You know, every once in a while, there's some of those sermons you preach and you kind of know people are listening. Because I asked a number of people this week, how, how are you doing or how are you? And, and they would say, oh, I'm rested. Nice. There really was a sense of people reflecting on that, listening. And how great would it be if we actually could honestly say, yeah, you know what? I'm rested. I'm doing what God's asked me to do, and I'm finding my rest in him. Well, this week we're going to continue, and I want to talk to you about vision. Vision, the definition I've used, the working definition, is a picture of a preferred future. A picture of a preferred future. What do I see for the future? Proverbs 29.18 says, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. Another translation says, the people perish. This idea of unrestrained, or there's nothing guiding, but happy is he who keeps the law, the scripture says. And vision is one of those things that everybody has one. Everybody has one. Not everybody's really all that aware of it or interacting with it, right? There are some who are very proactive and very intentional about their vision. They're the kinds who have a little vision statement card in their wallet, and they read it every day. They've got it on their phone. They'll tell you about it. They're always talking about their vision, and that's awesome, okay? But then there's some people who aren't so intentional and proactive. They're not even aware of it beyond what they're eating after service, right? Some of you, your vision is to get through this service, make it through this sermon, and have lunch, and then praise the Lord. I've had a good day. But I mean, we all have one. If we stop and think about it, there is something. We may not be aware of it. We may not be talking about it, but we have one. Because if I asked you questions like, you know, where do you want to be when you're 40 or when you're 60 or when you're 80? What do you want to see have happened in your life? What do you, what do you want there to be? You know, if we got specific and I asked you to envision your future, if we sat down and we could have the conversation and, and it was like, you know, I, I could say to you, where do you, where do you see yourself living? Imagine the setting. Some of you probably have a picture of where you'd like to be. What kind of house do you live in? You could probably tell me a little bit about what you'd like, what you kind of, what's, what's in your heart. Even if you've never told anybody about it, you could start describing some things. Those are glimpses of a vision. Who's in the house with you? What's your vision for family? What do you envision in years to come? 
What are you doing for work? What do you do with your time? What do you do with your days? See, all those things are vision. One of my favorite vision questions, okay, is this question, uh, if you were to win the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? <laughs> Some of you just kind of, ha! <laughs> Some of you kind of start to, to rumble and kind of go, you know, well, I'd bone up on the lyrics to take this job and shove it. That's what I'd do. Hi, I'd hire a full band to accompany me. Come on, guys, show up at my company and we're going to do a, a gig. I mean, you, after all the things you think about, well, I'd pay off all my debt, I, you know, I might not do my job anymore, I, I'd buy a house or a car, I'd buy my mom a house. You know, what's fascinating to me, it's always the mom they buy a house, never the dad. <laughs> so once you know, that hurts, that hurts. But after all those kind of things, and it's kind of like, okay, I did the vacations, I, I settled down, and now I've still got 24-7. I've got 24 hours, seven days a week, just like everybody else. And I can do whatever I want with my time because the financial piece has been put out of the way. I don't have to jump through the hoops. We think we have to jump through. Now I can do whatever's in my heart. What would you do with your time? What would you do with your days? See, that question kind of starts to stir at vision. We've all got vision, and it's very powerful. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today where a group of individuals get a totally new vision because of an encounter with Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5. I love this passage of Scripture. It speaks. And I want you to kind of think in terms of the vision that you kind of carry around and that guides kind of where you're going, and then put yourself into the situation that we're going to find here in the passage today. Beginning at verse 1, Luke chapter 5. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. I love that idea of people crowding in and listening to the word of God. Nobody had to make them come. Nobody had to force them. There was something about the way Jesus taught. They were hungry for truth, for spirit, for life. And that's the way he spoke. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by, there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got in one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. So the people were not observing, like, you know, personal boundaries. Okay, they were invading his space. Literally, you could see these people crowding in. People in back can't hear, so they're pushing to get closer. And so Jesus creates a little mini amphitheater. He sees these boats. The fishermen are cleaning the nets, just kind of, it's after work for them. They worked at night and in the early, early morning, and so they're cleaning up. And so Jesus asked Simon to let him in the boat and push out a little bit from shore. And now there's kind of this natural amphitheater created. So Peter does it. He sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now what's interesting to me is we're not even told. Okay, we're not even told what he taught. I mean, this is Jesus. Every word he speaks is the word of God. But Luke doesn't even tell us what he taught. Now, we know the kind of things he taught throughout the New Testament, particularly the Gospels. But the whole point that Luke's making is what's coming is really the key. It's what we want you to see. So he's teaching the people, and I don't know if Simon's in the boat with him, cleaning the nets, or did he just push it out a little bit and kind of anchor it? We don't know. We just know Jesus is teaching. And when he finishes speaking, he said to Simon, this is Peter, he said to Simon, Put out in the deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Let's go fishing, Peter. And Simon answered him, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. 
But because you say so, I'll let down the nets, okay? There's all kinds of stuff, kind of, this is pregnant with tension, okay? Peter's a fisherman. He knows what he's doing. Jesus is a preacher. They don't know what they're doing, okay? We all know this. This is baseline, right? You know, and Peter is being very polite. He's being respectful. Master, Jesus is a rabbi. He's a teacher. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Jesus, you fish at night. That's when when you're fishing with nets... The fish come up to feed when it's cool. Yeah, that's when you fish with nets, okay? That's when you do that. Right now, it's the heat of day. You don't do it because they're all down at the bottom staying cool. Okay, we're going to throw the net out, and we're going to catch a whole lot of nothing. That's what's going to happen, Jesus. Okay, he didn't say that, but it's kind of like everybody around knows it, and you know, you can just see Peter's looking around kind of uncomfortably. James and John are kind of, that's not me. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Because see, Peter's the expert. You, to see, understand this, you have to, it's like the guys are working out. we got a bunch of guys working out on the, out on the, the cantina there, turning it into a, a youth center for us. And they're doing some incredible work, demolition, construction, some things. It's like if I went out and go, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to put a beam here. And, and the guys, you know, cause, because I'm the, the reverend, they would be very polite and they would say, okay, Sean, whatever you say, we'll do it. Yeah, our guys wouldn't say that. No, not even for a minute. It's sad. The, Peter was respectful. Our guys, I don't know. They were like, dude, we're not going to do that. You don't know what you're doing. Please step away. Let us finish. That's what Peter kind of wanted to say. He, he respected Jesus. He just heard this incredible teaching. He didn't just leave after cleaning us. He stayed. And now, out of respect for Jesus, but also in embarrassment, he says, because of what you say, because you say so, I will let down the nets. And there's this awkward kind of, they're on the shore. That's not where they're going to let out the nets. There's this awkward rowing out to the deeper places. And James and John are like, wow, this is going to be embarrassing. Jesus, you did good up till now. Now you're going to lay a big egg in front of everybody. I mean, this is really what they're thinking. It's like, well, okay. But when they had done so, listen, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. Now, what's interesting so they signal their partners in their boat to come and help them. Now, I, I don't know who's in the boat. I know Peter and Jesus are in the boat. Is, does Peter have a helper? Or is it just Peter and Jesus trying to grab this? And Jesus is helping. All the while, staring Peter right in the face. Oh, what are these, Peter? Hmm. Beginner's luck, I guess. But Jesus isn't like that. <laughs> But I mean, there's this whole moment of, and Peter's embarrassed, he's shocked, but it's now their, their nets are actually ripping. They call James and John, who are like, I cannot believe this. And they come and they help them. They fill both boats so full, they begin to sink. It's like, not only does Jesus clearly know something about fishing they don't know, he's an overachiever. They're about to sink the boats. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, now stop, if I could cover this up, it's like he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Jesus, I need a partner. Come with me. I mean, that's kind of what we'd be thinking. Like, this is great news. This is this guy's business. He just had a huge day. There's a lot of profit in this. But that's not what Peter said. Because he saw something different. Peter's not thinking about fish anymore. He fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So he falls at his 
feet. Remember, they're in the boat. The boat that is sinking because there's so many fish. He doesn't care. He's not thinking about the fish. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He had seen something that made everything else irrelevant. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. I pray that we would hear. I pray that we'd be responsive. And I ask that you would change us. That we'd hear your voice and have the courage of obedience. That we'd be different because of following you. In Jesus' name, amen. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called A Change of Plans. The series is called Master Plan, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, A Change of Plans. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. This is an unbelievably powerful picture of Jesus moving from teacher to Lord. When he started out as a teacher, all the people wanted to hear his teaching. The fishermen, they could have gone and cleaned their nets anywhere. They're staying busy. They're sitting there. These guys are listening. We know from some of the other Gospels that, you know, Peter, his brother Andrew, James and John, they'd had encounters. They're interested in Jesus. And we see Jesus move from just a good teacher, though, to Lord because of what they saw. I find it interesting because this story makes real obvious kind of our compartments or our partitions, right? We have all these compartments in our life. You know, we have our our church life, and we're in that compartment, right? And we're in that room. But we also have our work life, and we're going to be in that room throughout the week, rest of the week. We have our home and family life. We'll be going there throughout the week. We have, we have our kids' sports teams and that, that world. We have education, school, different things that we're involved in. And we kind of tend to put up these partitions. And it's like, you ever run into someone from one compartment in another and go like, whoa, you, you don't belong here? It's like weird because it's like, wait a minute, I, you're from my, another compartment. Well, that's what we do. Peter right now realizes those compartments, the partitions, they don't apply to Jesus. He just realized Jesus is an expert in his main compartment, his profession. I mean, that's a a moment when everything changes. When Jesus leaves the Jesus compartment that we put him in, and he shows up at work. Imagine Jesus showing up at your work, at your office, your job site, 
your company, wherever you work, and just you realize, oh, he knows more about the customers. He knows more about the industry. He knows the vendors better. He knows the trends. He actually knows the future. He really knows my business way better than I ever could. See, because we all are kind of experts in something, typically. or We have expertise that maybe other people on our rows or sitting near us don't have. They, they don't have the same experience. They haven't gone through the same things. So we know things that they don't. Yeah, but Jesus is an expert in every area because he is God. He is creator. And Peter all of a sudden saw everything different because of this encounter. And he realized quickly, these partitions, they don't apply to Jesus. That changed him. I think he saw three different things that would change him forever. First, he saw Jesus differently when he saw him as Lord of all, including his world. It was something different. Before that moment jesus was a good teacher and he was listening to the teaching he was impressed by the teaching after that moment he was standing in the presence of someone else i don't know if he yet understood that this is messiah but he knew this person was from god in a very different way he knew something was very different and he called him lord because of it he saw jesus differently he saw himself differently get away from me lord i'm a sinful man he saw himself differently because he saw jesus and he saw the holy majestic presence of God in Jesus differently than he'd ever seen in anyone in the world. And he, in that moment when he saw who Jesus was, he saw the presence of God. He also saw himself differently. I'm reminded of, remember Isaiah had a vision of the Lord, high and lifted up, and his response was, wretched man that I am. I am undone. I am ruined. Woe is me. He saw himself differently when he saw Jesus differently. And I think a third thing that becomes real obvious, he, he saw his life differently. In an instant, Peter received a new vision for what his life could be. And what's fascinating is he just got up, left everything, and pursued that vision. They left the boats. They left the nest. This is their business. It doesn't say they took a couple weeks to sell things out, to liquidate. And no, they just got up and left because they recognized they were in the presence of God. And it changed them. They were never the same. See, Peter came into that encounter. On that day when Peter got up, went fish, had a really bad night fishing, and then sat and thought, well, I got nothing else to do. I'll listen to this teacher. He had one vision for his life. Because we all do. After that encounter, he had a completely different vision. And because of it, God used him to change the world. Because of it, we're talking about him. If Peter would have said, no, forget it, um, he would have maybe been... a at best, a successful fisherman would never have been heard of again. But we're talking about him today because God had something different in mind for him. Peter saw it, and he left everything to follow it. <laughs> so my question for us as we sit here this morning and contemplate this is, what's your vision? Based on the decisions we make, the time investments we make, what is our vision for our life? And, and I want to challenge all of us myself included, because I want to suggest Jesus wants to give you and I a compelling vision for our lives. When we come to Jesus, when we see him as he is, he wants to give us a vision that is absolutely different and transformative. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Now, what Peter and his friends discovered is kind of a core idea, and it ties into this whole series we're talking about. What they discovered is that a new vision always requires a new plan. Because vision, it's not just talk, we're not just talking about kind of daydreaming. 
I thought I was going to lose some of you when I asked the lottery question. I'm not talking about daydreaming. I'm talking about a vision that says, this is what I think it's supposed to be. This is what's going to guide my direction. See, a new vision always requires a new plan because everything becomes organized around that vision. Truth is, God's master plan won't make a difference to you if you don't kind of think you need a new plan. Maybe you're like, no, I'm good. I got one. I got, I got, I got my agenda worked out. I got it. I'm good. Today, there's a whole lot of people who could use a new plan in here. And if, you, if that's you, you probably know it because you'd say, my plan's not working. At some point, all of us need a new plan. So, some of you are like, no, I'm good. I'm good. The plan I got, I'm working the plan. It's all, all going good. Some of you, maybe when you met Jesus, you saw something different and you've been following his plan. And you're like, yep, this is tracking with you because your experience maybe wasn't in a fishing boat, but you remember that moment when you said, Jesus, I want to pursue the vision that you have. But if you're here and you're kind of like, the plan I'm following isn't working like I thought, then I have good news for you. Now, as we talk about the master plan, all master plans are different, right? They're all for different things, but they all have some key ways that they're the same. They'll all have access routes and walkways, driveways, things like that. They'll all have utilities, where utility placement is. They'll all have building placement. That's what master plans are. I want to suggest his master plan for us is similar. Each one is different. The specifics are different for us, but there are some, there are some similar things that every one of us has to walk through. I think this passage today illustrates five common foundational supports for his master plan for every one of us. These things lay the foundation, and I want to suggest they will put you dead center in the middle of God's vision and plan for your life. If you want to know how to know God's will, how to know his way, how to follow him, I'm going to share with you the key components of every master plan that God has for every one of us. Around here, we call them the five decisions on the journey to real life. And I'll real quickly run through them for you because this passage beautifully illustrates each one. The first decision is decide to follow Jesus. That's the first decision. Decide to follow Jesus. Now, we've killed the word follow, right? It's not like following someone on Twitter. You know, say something, would, would you follow me? Oh, okay, well, yeah, where do I find you? And, uh, click, I'll follow you. Okay, I'm following you. Yeah, that is not at all what we're talking about. No, Peter's actual vision for the next three years was the back of Jesus' head. Because he physically got up and he followed him. And when Jesus went this way, come on, guys, let's go. And they're following Jesus. See, following Jesus is always that way. It's active. It's dynamic. It's personal. It's relational. They left everything else and literally followed Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Look, look at this in Luke chapter 14, what Jesus said. Luke chapter 14, 20, verse 27. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. Okay, I need you to take your, your Bible lenses off, and I want you to envision this from the seat or the perspective of the people to whom it was first spoken. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You have to understand, to us, a cross, we, we have a cross right here, we see crosses all over, we wear gold jewelry around our neck. Wonderful cross is a beautiful thing. Beautiful symbol, very special. We've hand them down to our children. The people to whom Jesus said this would have said we're absolutely insane. 
Because, of course, a cross was an implement of execution. It's like if we were going around with a, a beautiful little, you know, electric chair charm around our neck. You know, oh, look, I got mine at James Avery. It's part of the execution line. They're fantastic. You can get them. They're on sale right now. They, they had no such delusions or confusion about what Jesus was saying. Whoever does not lay down their life in the most brutal way, he didn't say whoever just entered their grave. That's really what he's saying. Lay down your life. Take up your cross and follow me. Cannot be my disciples. What's interesting is there's one instance in the New Testament where Jesus actually said this, and it says a whole bunch of people were following him. He was like the flavor of the month. A lot of people were jumping on the Jesus bandwagon, and they're following Jesus. And he turns around and kind of to greet them says, oh, yeah, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. And it says a lot of people chose to stop following him that day. And let me just say, that made sense. That Jesus, he sure knew how to thin a crowd. What he was doing was speaking full disclosure. He was not inviting them to a bandwagon. He was inviting them to lay down their lives so that they could discover their life. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series, Master Plan, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.